When you save on auto insurance for driving safe with USAA SafePilot, you'll feel like a big deal. Even in a traffic jam. Save up to 30% with USAA SafePilot. Restrictions apply. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your hosts from SteelersDepot.com where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora. Always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 13, Episode 79. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday, Steelers Nation. Very busy day for Dave and I and for all the Steelers fans here as we get ready for the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Bowl, recapping Art Rooney. The second's comments, Dave, the bat signal went up. Art Rooney speaking to the media extensively on Thursday, and there is a lot for us to discuss. Yeah, there absolutely is a lot to discuss. And uh, thankfully, the uh, uh, you know, Rooney made his uh, round, a few of his rounds yesterday on Thursday. And that gives us after you know, not having a show on on Wednesday, which apologies to me on that, had a had a doctor's appointment, had to take care of uh, a couple hours that morning there. But uh, we definitely have a lot to talk about today. So let's dive right on in, Dave, and let's start before we begin with Rooney, some things that happened earlier in the week we did not cover since we did not have the Wednesday show. Uh, Steelers signing two more players to their offseason roster, and they're fairly notable and interesting names in wide receivers slash special teamer Dan Chisena, formerly of the Minnesota Vikings, a Penn State track star who played one year of football in Happy Valley, and, and then Quincy Roche, the former six-round pick in 2021, claimed off of waivers in 21 by the Giants, had some success there, now finding his way back to Pittsburgh. So two pretty interesting names as far as future contract players go. Yeah, look, uh, uh, both of them, uh, you know, I, I think we can both agree we'll have, you know, there's a path to the 53-man roster in 2023 for both of these guys. And uh, Jacinta uh, with, you know, uh, obviously – more of a, you know, with that speed, you played, play, has played some special teams at the NFL level already and uh, really, really looks like, uh, you know, could be a gunner on the outside there uh, and, and given the opportunity to win that. And obviously Quincy Roche, a guy that I, I believe I said at one point, this is a guy that, that you never know. These guys circle back because people get so mad sometimes when these uh, undrafted, you know, rookie undrafted free agents get, plucked off of the waiver wire off of uh the practice squad along those lines there and uh back he comes after spending some time with the giants it seems like the giants kind of gave up on on him and maybe him on them as well too after their season because i think he ended the season on their practice squad and all uh but you know we talk we've talked quite a bit about the students needing needing to add to that uh, outside linebacker room this offseason and uh this should not be uh, it, but it's good to see one of these things like this happening. And really, I think Quincy Roche as a rookie, uh, the main reason he did not make the 53 man roster initially 
was because he kind of lacked in some special teams uh, traits there. And uh, that was the year that I think Jameer Jones made mm-hmm. it over over Quincy Roche. Jameer Jones has obviously been a lot more of a uh, you know asset to the Steelers on, on on special teams there. So I think the big onus on on Roche moving forward into this summer is. You know, can he continue to progress a little bit as and, and, and show that he can be a reliable backup outside linebacker? And B, or probably more importantly, can he show anything uh, to Danny Smith this time around as a as a uh, you know I don't want to say core special teams player, but at least a player you can put out there on a couple of units. Sure, and it's funny that both Jameer Jones and Roche circled back to Pittsburgh. Jones, after initially making the team, was in with the Los Angeles, the Rams, and then Jacksonville. And now he's back in Pittsburgh. And now the same can be said about Quincy Roche. So as you said, the interesting thing with both these guys is you can really, you know, carve out realistic paths to the roster right now. Now it's still so early and, and players will be added and resigned and drafted, et cetera. But with Roche, with the depth there being so poor, uh, Malik Reed, you know, unlikely to return and just really nothing substantial behind TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, unless this team wants to kind of stick with the Marvin Leal being this hybrid guy, an idea I support, but I don't know if it's one this team will actually uh, continue. Then Roche is, is an interesting name to watch until more names are added. And then Jacena, given uh, Miles Boykins pending for agency, just the many pending kind of core special team guys in general this roster has right now, uh, to have a guy like Jacena who has been really just a pure special teamer in his career. Uh, again, that's going to give him a potential path to making this team. Look, uh, I made a terrible take out of, uh, out of, out of this and Roche re- you know, returning the other day there. Uh, uh, they need to add to that room, you know, and, and they don't need to stop with, uh, with Roche like to see him potentially add somebody during the draft, if at all possible. And, you know, a couple of undrafted free agents as well, too. I don't think they're going to, I don't think this is a, going to be a position on the edge that, uh, gets much, if any, uh, attention during free agency. If it is done during free agency, it'd be a very, very low profile, uh, super low profile, super cheap kind of, kind of player on top of it. But, uh, uh, they need to do something different there behind Alex Highsmith and, and, and obviously TJ Watt. And I thought Roche in his camp with Pittsburgh, his rookie year, it wasn't a bad camp. It was just that Jameer Jones made such an impact on special teams. I forget the exact numbers, but he was so head and shoulders above the rest of the team in terms of tackles. And because that role was going to primarily be a special team type, because you had what at the time Melvin Ingram as your as your number three. So your number four is going to be that pure special teams kind of guy right. playing only a handful of snaps or defensively a game. And so that's why. Jones made it over Roche, but I believe Pittsburgh had every intention to put Roche on the practice squad until, of course, he got claimed by the Giants. And so there's something there with him. He's still a little bit on the small side, and so that doesn't always work best in Pittsburgh. But again, on a futures deal, you know, you you, you have experience now. You played a heavy amount of defensive snaps your rookie year. That's going to make him all the better as he kind of comes back to Pittsburgh. Right. Definitely something to, to pay attention to, uh, you know, once once get into training camp and all. And then Jacena is kind of this cross between a Miles Boykin and a Gunnar Olszewski. And I say Boykin because he's that kind of pure special teamer with a bit of size. Now, Boykin's, I think, a bit bigger, but Jacena's got, you know, he's listed, I think, 6'2", a buck 95. You see him on tape. He's a pretty big guy. And so he's got this really interesting, you know, long stride, speed, size combination. Usually the really fast guys are a bit smaller guys. It's also kind of like Olszewski because while he's a receiver in name, 
really hasn't done a whole lot on that side of the football, caught three passes his last year at Penn State and, um, you know, just isn't a, a position that he's going to really contribute to uh, this team, uh, talking about wide receiver. And so there's a, there's a mix there. He's not the return man Olszewski is, but interesting guy. And again, with Boykin of Friesian, with several names I wrote about this yesterday for Steelers Depot, a lot of potential special teamers are slated to hit for agency. There could really be a path for a guy like Jacena. I think that's a big reason why Pittsburgh signed him. Yeah, a little bit of an insurance policy because you got you got several of your guys, you know, Boykin, one of them, Miles Boykin, uh, that 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 you know, not yet back under contract, and uh, you gotta you gotta have alternate plans in case guys like that you know don't make it back to you uh, being re-signed there. I think the thing that stuck out to me uh, the most, uh, uh, just running through some quick uh, things on Chisena there was. Uh, Man, that speed at the NFL level, it shows up, especially on one kick return, I think, is uh, 2020 season uh, against the Detroit Lions there. That guy can turn it on and make up some yards from behind uh, real quick there. So the, the, the speed is evident on film. And I think the other thing that uh, uh, stuck out to me was a, kind of a hit and miss tackler. Okay. Yeah, I think, you know, with Chisena and Roche, both guys had some earlier career success and then new regimes come in and they start adding their own people. And that happened with Roche and the Giants, not to happen with uh, with Chisena in Minnesota. So those guys probably both want fresh starts. Of course, Roche returning to Pittsburgh. And so that's probably a reason why, you know, they moved on from their, their previous teams. But yeah, uh, as much as people don't like it, the Steelers always seem to carry, you know, three, four pretty core, vital special team guys. And uh, again, you have Boykin and Derek Watt and Marcus Allen and Benny Snell, um, Jameer Jones, an exclusive rights guy, almost guaranteed to come back. But, you know, technically, if region as well, you want to add some guys because you, you probably will lose some of those players. You probably retain some, you probably lose some. And so um, having Chisena with some experience, on Sundays um, with a profile that's pretty attractive. It certainly doesn't hurt. Absolutely. All right. So those are the future signings. We'll see if any more come down the road, although I think Pittsburgh's getting close to probably being done on those. Uh, I do want to talk about Rooney here in just one moment. I want to mention though, first about Brian Flores. And while uh, there's been no official hire in Arizona yet, we're, we're seeing some of the dominoes begin to fall in the coaching market, the uh, Carolina Panthers hiring a head coach. Uh, Frank Reich yesterday. And so I think that might kind of get those wheels in motion as we uh, get close towards the senior bowl and the shrine bowl and all, and all of those events. Now, interestingly in Arizona, it seemed like Dan Quinn, the Dallas Cowboys defensive coordinator was one of the favorites for a while. He announced yesterday telling teams he is going to stay in Dallas for 2023. And so that really seems does that to, mean he, does that mean though he was told he, does he get that out there? But <laughs> He's told Maybe. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to return. Oh, okay. You weren't going to get the job anyway. Uh, Maybe. It did seem like he was in pretty decent demand in Denver, Arizona. But, I mean, he had just finished up a second interview in Arizona. And then the news came out a, a short time after that, the next day or later that day. So, uh, fair point. Not entirely sure if that's kind of PR stuff. But regardless, Quinn will not be the head coach in Arizona. And so, that really makes Flores... He's already been a favorite throughout this process, but that boosted his odds even more. And while I don't have the you know, best intel and haven't followed the Cardinals head coaching search as, as closely as actual Cardinals fans, it sounds like Flores is one of the top two guys. Now, is Sean Payton in the mix? He certainly appears to be, but that's been a complicated situation. And I think some people in the media believe that Payton will not coach 
in 2023. So if it's not Peyton, then you really have to turn your attention to the odds of Brian Flores becoming the Arizona Cardinals next head coach. Yeah, especially we keep circling back to the fact that the relationship uh, with uh, their new new uh, new general manager in Arizona and and yeah, ever since that happened, man, but before that happened, I thought oh, I'm not so sure Flores is going to get uh, a, a job uh, this you know, this time around here, but, uh, once they put in that new GM in place in Arizona and, and, and his long ties to Brian Flores, <laughs> I think I went from, uh, not thinking Flores would, would get a job to thinking, man, I'll be surprised if Flores doesn't get that job out in Arizona. So may- maybe we'll find out by, uh, by the end of the weekend here. Yeah. Uh, I think hopefully we'll find out sooner than later. Uh, I know the Cardinals have interviewed, you know, other people, including their current DC and Vance Joseph and, and and maybe some people have thought about D'Amico Ryans, although I think he's probably more likely to, to land in Denver or his former team in Houston. So really watching Flores, I think closer than ever right now. And again, if Flores, even if he becomes the Cardinals head coach, no compensation for Pittsburgh, he has to be here at least two years. And so I know many people will probably think and ask, will Pittsburgh get draft picks if Flores goes to Arizona Uh, No, Pittsburgh will not. Now, he's also interviewed, just wrapped up yesterday, the interview for the Minnesota Vikings DC job, still in the running for the Atlanta Falcons DC job. But I imagine he won't be taking either of those if they're even offered until you find out what's going to happen in in Arizona. Correct. All right, Dave, let's dive into the big big story here. Art Rooney II, that signal going up yesterday afternoon, speaking with the media, uh, having a one-on-one sit-down with Bob Pompiani, a one-on-one with Missy Matthews from Steelers.com, and then just a general kind of media scrum. I'm not even sure where to begin with this one because (laughs) there's so much information, Dave. Um, I I guess the, the first thing that came up was, you know, Rooney was asked to explain why this team capped offensive coordinator Matt Canada and the reasons are pretty unsurprising and expected but still important to hear from Rooney himself essentially saying that uh, a the contract that he it was under contract for next year played no role in the decision that's what Rooney says and then beyond that the, the second half finish this offense improving and the desire to have continuity between Canada and Pickett and this whole offensive personnel um Pittsburgh didn't want to break that up and start anew with a new OC. And so those are the reasons why Canada is back. Yeah, he tried to uh, he certainly uh, uh, did an honorable job of trying to sell all those angles and reasons as, as to why, right? You know, uh, the uh, improvement uh, in the second half. And, you know, same when talking about when he was talking about uh, the, the job uh, Mike Tomlin did, uh, you know, especially in the second half of the season saying you want to see a team on the rise and getting better. And he says that was the case. And then obviously in, in, in regard to the offensive coordinator, uh, noted, uh, what, what do you note? Uh, 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 time of possession, uh, third down, third down, and then, uh, out rushing other teams. All And he, you know, made sure to say that, you know, all three of those things usually go hand in hand. And, uh, but that, that, you know, he thought the relationship between Pickett and Canada, you know, was a good one and, and kind of felt you'd be taking a step backwards if you, uh, moved on from that right now. And, you know, uh, like you also said, he claimed that the con the extra contract, uh, year in there played no role in it, uh, whatsoever, you know. What else, what else probably did you, would you have expected him to say? I mean, it sounded like he went through the checklist there and uh, kind of checked all the boxes of, of things that you would expect him to say when it came to reasons why Matt Canada is back. 
Right. And those were things we had discussed before, you know, Rooney said this and, and after the official announcement and confirmation that Canada was returning, um, you know, right or wrong, this team is running back its offense essentially at its core. They're not losing hardly any, if any pieces they could resign as Zach Gentry, uh, Derek Watt, if they wanted to, and they don't want to have to to start over and go through potential growing pains. It'll be natural with a new OC, no matter who you hire, no matter if you make the best hire you know, that you can possibly make. Um, there'll be some growing pains to start next year and all the growing pains this offense went through in 2022. I, I obviously Pittsburgh does not want to repeat that in 23. They want to hit the ground running. Now, is that the right decision? Is that the decision this team should have made? I personally disagree with that, but that is the calculation Pittsburgh is making. And that's why he meant Canada is back. Well, you know, in so many words, he says, you know, if you, you if you move on now, you waste a year. Well, if you end up having to move on after 2023, right. don't you waste two years? You know, uh, I'm with you. Uh, look, uh, it, and he hit on some, you know, several of the areas that this team, you know, need, needs needs to get better in. And uh, I let, let's back up for a moment here. You you jump feet first into this thing. And last night when I was thinking, I went back through all, all, all three of these interviews and all. And I thought, man, if uh, when Alex and I talk on on Friday morning and if I'm asked what would be my single one biggest takeaway from everything that Art Rooney said in all three of those interviews uh, on on Friday, uh, what would it be? And and so now I'm going to ask you. I, I've 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 already got mine uh, written down here, and I want to see how close we 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 come to this. What is your number one takeaway on? And it's mine's kind of unsexy here, but uh, uh, what is your number one takeaway from everything that Art Rooney the second said on on Thursday? I think the singular most interesting thing he said that really caught my attention, we might be the same here, um, and people can debate this, and people have debated this with me last night, is that Rooney saying that he expects Mitch Trubisky to be a stealer in 2023. No, that's not where I was no. going. That's not okay. my big – that is obviously a uh, talking point that, that we will need to get through on this uh, uh, episode, but that's not what I have written down. Right, what do you have written down? We've got to score more points, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're doing there. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I mean, he may, you know, and, and uh, because he was kind of asked that point blank, you know, what, what's one of the main things, you know, and he, he got a giggle after it, but uh, it's no laughing matter, right? <laughs> don't, don't sure. you laugh about that art, Rudy. Uh, <laughs> but, and, and he's, I, you know, I think he said it in one, one or two of the other interviews as well, too. You know, uh, we got it. We got to score more points. Yeah, they do. I mean, they were 26 in points per game. They were 21st in points per game last year. They still had a stronger finish the second half of the year. The, uh, second half of the year, the offense got better. The ball control got better. Third down got a whole lot better. They were number one in football the, the second half of the season. Um, but they still only average 18.1 points per game on the year, barely more than 2019 when they had you know no talent at all. And this team has a fair amount of talent. Right now, they still only average, you know, I think 21 points per game post by, and that's better, but still not good enough. And so um, an obvious statement there from Rooney, but an important one to me, I guess, if you're asking for kind of just a big picture, 30,000 foot view of what Rooney thinks of the team, kind of that state of the Steelers address, 
I think he's basically saying he's encouraged by the progress, knows his team has to make more progress, but certainly what this team did to finish last year, 2022, 7-2, and then obviously what Kenny Pickett in particular showed, it sounds like he's encouraged by what, what the foundation that was set, hopefully something to build upon for next year. And, you know, uh, look, uh, at, at one point in one of these, I forget which one, who, who, who it was with, you know, he talked about yards after the catch, you know, uh, being, I, well, I think that was actually the one with, uh, I think that was the first one with the media mm-hmm. here. Let me, let me find the exact quote uh, here uh, within that. Yeah, I good think, luck. There's about 800 articles. Uh, yeah. He says, uh, he says, you know, we need to see more yards after the catch from our receivers. Obviously, we need to be better in the red zone. So definitely some places we need to improve on to, you know, score more points is the bottom line. So he got uh, bingo. Uh, I, I, I think you get the call that he hit on all the things there. And, and look, it just uh, uh, just so happened that my terrible take yesterday was on Yards after the catch, uh, but right before Art Rooney uh, spoke, I I actually had this in the can, uh, and and I'll go over some numbers with you here real quick, Alex. Uh, for 2022, uh, the Steelers finished last in the NFL in the regular season in yards after the catch average at 4.05. Uh, to add you some perspective to that. Uh, the top five teams were the uh, 49ers, Chiefs, Panthers, Lions, and Eagles all had an average yards after the catch number of, of, of six or more yards. Uh, you want to drill that down a little bit further here. The Steelers had three players with 50 or more receptions. They were obviously uh, Deontay Johnson, Pat Farmouth, and George Pickens. Those three totaled 201 receptions. Uh, which was roughly 55% of all receptions on offense combined. Those three players averaged just 3.17 yards after the catch. Uh, and thankfully, Firemuth kind of carried that group with a number of 4.48. Uh, what's, what's even more concerning, and I wrote and we talked about this quite a bit here, uh, of those 201 combined uh, pass receptions that, that Deontay Firemuth and George Pickens had in 2022, uh, just a smidge over a half of them uh, went to comeback, curl, or out routes. And obviously those aren't overly conducive to producing yards after the catch. And when you look at this this offense last season as a, as a whole, as a team, 38.7 of all completed passes that they had on offense in 2022 went to players running either a comeback, curl, or out routes. And only the New Orleans Saints had a higher percentage of completed passes to, to, to uh, that grouping of routes than the Steelers did. And in case you're, at, you're, you're curious, the league average uh, last year when it came to those completed routes, to those three kind of routes, uh, in totality, you know, a comeback, a curl, or an out was 29%. So the Steelers were a good almost 9%, 10% high uh, uh, when it when it when it comes to that. You've got to figure out a way. We're broken records here. Find a way to get the football in hands of players uh, on routes that allows them to be more conducive after the catch. If we're going to see this offense take the steps that Art Rooney wants to see this offense take the steps in. I don't see how you do it without having a higher yards after the catch average. 
no, they have to have it. And I think certainly part of that can be player and personnel related, but I think a large part of those issues were schematic, especially the first six weeks of the season. Um, but even throughout, just so many, as you said, sideline routes, they were kind of playing in such a confined space that didn't allow those guys to have those yards after opportunities. Um, all the sprint outs, all the curls and comebacks and just things that didn't allow for those run after chances. I mean, Deontay Johnson, and again, I know people will, you know, mock the the running backwards and that was an issue, but it's not the central reason for the numbers I'm about to to present. But his yak last year was 4.9 yards per reception. This year is 2.7, and that's just not acceptable. That's a drop that that is by far his career low. And so, again, he's got some issues to work on, no question about that. But schematically, this team has to find a way to to create more run-after chances. That's kind of what Matt Canada built his offense around in college, just not applying it now to the NFL. I mean, look, uh, there's a, he's asking for a lot of things to happen here and expecting a lot of things to happen. It's gonna. I mean, uh, this is... This is no small task, in my opinion, familiarity and all. uh, They they really need to see a big jump in several things here out of this offense. Oh, yeah, they do. And it was interesting. It was a departure. Usually Art Rooney is the one talking about the need to improve the run game. Got to run the ball better this year. He literally says, quote, I think we need to improve on the passing game. And so, I mean, it's it's factual, but it is funny to, to see that script flipped. And so that'll be where this team has to make strides, you think that they they would. And, and the reason, again, for bringing Canada back is for that continuity and for those guys to all make a jump, whether you're talking about Kenny Pickett, and George Pickens, and Jalen Warren, and this offensive line not going through its growing pains that it went through as they adjusted to Pat Myers' different, you know, more aggressive pass pro system. And so um, that is the, this, this team's thought and calculation is it's a young group. It got better. Let's bring them back. And let's kind of carry over the progress we were making in the 2023. Yeah, and uh, if if there are new pieces to this offense, uh, there won't be many of them, and you would expect, or, or you will be expecting them to hit the ground running in this thing. And uh, once again, it goes back to uh, the Kenny Pickett, uh, uh, you know, expectations in the first you know six games of the, of the season. No more of this starting slow. I mean, got to got to see an average. Uh, of, of I, I think, a minimal uh, of 20, 23, 24 points scored uh, in some of these games early on. And uh, I mean, it, it, it's it's a tall ask, I think, from and look, they, they did run the football better uh, in, 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 you know, down the stretch there. They did possess the football. Uh, they did do they, they look good in some of those some of those metrics, but they still. We're not getting yards after this, the catch. They still were not getting explosive plays. They were not putting the football uh, in the end zone. And really, those things kind of matter more, right? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's uh, it it's a tall, tall task here for Matt Canada. Right. Everyone knows this team has to score more points. That's an, an obvious statement. doesn't take a football junkie to know that. How do you actually accomplish that? You know, A, take care of the football, which this team did the back half of last year, and then either have explosive plays to put the ball in the end zone from 30, 40, 50 yards out, or be able to finish in the red zone. And this team did not create enough explosive plays over the last two years. They're 30th in explosive plays of 20 plus yards, both run and pass. And then the red zone, they're like that Jim Carrey movie, 23 or 23rd in red zone in 2021, 23rd in red zone in 2022. And that's not good enough either. They have to finish drives. And so 
what are the more specific things to actually increase the points per game. It's more explosive plays. It's a better red zone offense. And Rooney essentially talked about both. Right. Uh, Let's see what else from Art Rooney. Let's talk about uh, Mike Tomlin. And I know initially in the first media scrum that that he conducted, he was asked about Mike Tomlin, a potential contract extension, and Rudy kind of declined to commit either way, just saying, you know, quote, we'll see, and didn't want to talk about Tomlin's situation too much. I know that kind of, you know, threw up a a couple of uh, red flags, and we wrote about that for the site, but it's important to clarify that later on in in, in, an interview with, I believe it was Missy Matthews, that Rooney um, basically gave, you know, and not even just the the ominous vote of confidence, but fully backed Mike Tomlin saying he's a great coach and he's our guy for the future. And so basically um, any concerns about that earlier statement about the contract really shouldn't be concerns. And then I went back uh, and, and saw on the site in 2019, Rooney essentially said the same thing, didn't commit to a Tomlin extension. It kind of created a media stir and then Rooney clarified and obviously Tomlin's still the head coach. So um, I would take those comments about Rooney not committing to an extension to Tomlin with a big grain of salt. Yeah, but uh, they'll 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 use that as a flare up. I'm sure uh, it, to to try to create some discussion around as well too. And and if you do go through and you listen to all three, uh, at least the three interviews that are out there right now, and I and you know uh, I think Rooney's probably going to have what probably a couple more radio uh, interviews here and within this next week as well, too. I think that's usually par for the course. Maybe somebody will drill them down a little bit more in uh, uh, on that topic of Tomlin. But if anything, I, I, I came away from listening to those in the topic of Tomlin as being <laughs> this man's job is secure as secure could be right now. And right. Uh, I really feel uh, uh, Art Rooney made it a point to say, you know, one of the things that you look for when uh, uh, in a season like last season, when it comes to Tomlin, is is the team getting better uh, as the season goes on? And especially after they dug themselves a pretty big hole early on, especially with a rookie quarterback in tow. Uh, even Art Rooney sounded like he was a little bit surprised that uh, Pickett hit the field as early as he did at the quarterway mark of the season uh, uh, overall. But uh, all of that thrown into the barrel and shook up there. It, it, it really sounds like uh, Rooney gained a lot more confidence in Mike Tomlin in the head coach in 2022. So I, in no way, shape or form, do I, do I think that there is any substance there to any is 2023, a hot, a potential hot seat season for Mike Tomlin. No, I, I think as from where I sit right this moment, I think as long as Mike Tomlin wants to coach the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's going to be the coach <laughs> of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Now, is that the right thing for this organization to do? There'll be people that obviously will, will not like hearing that statement. And I think there has to be a pressure and a weight in 23 for this team to get back in the playoffs, to win a playoff game. That drought, I think, really weighs heavily on this team right now. At least it does in my view, and hopefully for this organization as well, and a very competitive AFC North and a very competitive AFC at large. Um, I think this team has to really, I think 2023 is to put up a shut up year, you know, 2022 transitional year. I get that young moving parts, growing pains, you work through it. You know, the band's basically back together for 23. I know there's going to be issues and obstacles and unforeseen things happen, injuries primarily that, that will take place in 23, but 
Um, you found your quarterback, at least you believe you found your quarterback. You have an identity. You have core pieces in place. It, it's really time to to make it happen. Look, and you know, you we'll see what happens when free agency. And then he talked a little bit about how they've got a lot of big decisions coming up, and they do. And there's there's some pieces on that defense that you'd like to see back because of the the roles that they play. And if they get those pieces back, and if they stay healthy on the defensive side of football, uh, I I think this defense can kind of pick up to, uh, where it left off. I you know uh, we'll definitely see on the defensive line. I think defensive line and and obviously uh, uh, inside linebacker going to be interesting to watch play out and we'll see what happens with the two uh uh unrestricted free agents uh uh obviously in 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 at safety and casey and Edmonds and all so there are still a lot of questions to be answered the rest of this offseason but you would have to think uh based on kind of and he didn't say it directly you know art rooney the second but uh this team normally this time of offseason has has a group of guys that they really like to get re-signed uh, that are that are uh, unrestricted free agents, and they usually do a good job of getting most of those guys back. And I don't think that'll be any different uh, this time around. And and that that even includes the likes of uh, of a guy like Cameron Sutton and all. And uh, but within all that, once again, uh, I think they got a good chance to, to to field a a good defense once again. And the only way this team's going to make hay, especially in their own division. And get to the playoffs, and not just get to the playoffs. We got to, we got to see them win a game, right? You know, uh, and that would be for this offense to make the strides that that Art Rooney II seems to be putting out there that he expects will happen. If they don't, then you don't even have to worry about this conversation next offseason because Matt Canada will 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 get to the point where his contract was uh, wasn't. Uh, uh, ex, you know, wasn't uh, his contract expired? Right. Then, then we're talking about Kenny Pickett's second uh, offensive coordinator uh, in the NFL. The parting of the ways will happen with Matt Canada, not a firing, but uh, the decision to not renew parting of the ways uh, will occur, and and certainly the obstacle. And we'll talk about this more. And it's obvious, I think, to most people anyway. But just the difficulty this AFC North and AFC presents. I mean, it is a relentless division and conference with just uh, every single playoff team in the AFC this year has a first round quarterback. I mean, most of the entire AFC has a first round quarterback and most of those guys are pretty good uh, franchise types. Not a lot of busts. There are a couple Zach Wilson with the jets, but you know, generally speaking, it's a, it's a really strong group. That's not going anywhere except for maybe Lamar Jackson. But even if he leaves Baltimore, maybe he still stays in the AFC. Who the heck knows? And so, it is going to be a tough path, and you better be able to match that firepower because you're playing in the AFC with the best quarterbacks in football. And look, Burrow's not going anywhere, right? And and that's right. uh, uh, if you got a quarterback, and they obviously do in Cincinnati. It seems like in Burrow, uh, you know, Cincinnati, at least for the foreseeable future here, seems like they're going to be the team to beat in 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 in, in that division. Uh, look, yes. you you just got to get in the tournament. Uh, and and hopefully be a team on the rise, and it's time for the Steelers to once again uh, be that team that at least can make the playoffs. And they need. Uh, uh, I feel like for 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 2023 to be a success for this team, they've got to not only get into the playoffs, but they have to win a playoff game. And right now, it, that 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 seems that seems like uh, a a bridge too far right now. But I mean, yeah. we'll see. 
there's a lot of work to be done. And what if Aaron Rodgers gets traded to the Jets and now he's in the AFC and whatever else happens? I mean, who knows? The AFC just becomes that much tougher. And so it is not impossible, but that is the path. And that is that is the future what Pittsburgh's looking at, not only in 2023, but the next five, 10 years of these quarterbacks, Burrow, Watson, Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, uh, et cetera, Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville. Those guys aren't going anywhere. And so that's going to be the challenge for Pittsburgh going forward. But I think uh, that's probably well recognized and things we can talk about uh, later on in the offseason. I want to mention, um, speaking of coaches, Art Rooney saying that the uh, coaching staff is not necessarily set in stone. I don't know if that was more about potential coaches being non-renewed or if that was kind of a nod to Brian Flores' uncertainty. And then Rooney did not rule out adding an offensive assistant um, to maybe, you know, be the Brian Flores of the offense. And so want to mention that as well. Uh, look, it was uh, almost the middle, it was around the middle of February last year when uh, when Flores was added, right? Now, of course, his situation was kind of a little bit different with the, you know, lawsuit and and and, and things going on and all like that. But uh, uh, this thing could get into February. I mean, we, we don't even have all these, uh, all these uh, uh, new head coaches in place yet, right? Right. I mean, I my feeling is the coaching staff, Flores aside, obviously Blaine Stewart left for WVU. My my feeling was it's probably going to stay the same. But I should mention, as you just said, uh, whenever they announced, I think Flores, that was the same time they announced that uh, Ike Hilliard was gone and then Frisman Jackson was hired. And so occasionally this team can kind of really keep, keep a secret and, and, and some of these guys can leave. So I don't want to guarantee that every single positional coach will be back. That's my expectation right now. But again, we'll see. There's been some, I think, local beat guys that have thought maybe Danny Smith retires. He's a football lifer. You know, again, I'm going to work under the assumption right now that he's returning until told otherwise, but probably should give it a, until, you know, right, right around Super Bowl time to uh, to assume this coaching staff is set in stone. Let me ask you this. If they lose a guy like Flores uh, and and. We'll see what happens uh, with with the late uh, unretaining of Steve Wilkes in Carolina. Could could Wilkes be a guy? Could this be a new kind of? I guess what I'm asking is could 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 the trend be now with uh, the Steelers uh, getting cast off uh, head coaches to come in for a year or two as as kind of senior defensive you know assistants or another set of eyes, if you will. I'm never opposed to adding smart defensive people and Flores and Wilkes are certainly two of those people, but I really hope for Wilkes sake, he's able to get a better job than just senior assistant. I mean, Flores was brought in because no one would hire him. Wilkes, I assume can get a DC job or something prominent somewhere. And so, I mean, if that comes up, then, then sure, maybe, but I would certainly hope and would think that Steve Wilkes can at the least be at DC somewhere next year. I mean, well, we'll see. I mean, you, you're whittling. How, how many DC jobs? There's still, I guess, a few of them open. Yeah, because you got head coaching spots open. You got Atlanta, Minnesota. Um, Wilkes just kind of became available because, you know, no one was going to ask him to be at DC whenever he was in the running for the Panthers head coaching job. And so I imagine his, he's probably going to have some interviews lined up pretty quickly. All right, what'd you think about uh, Rooney's comments on the whole uh, con and Andy Weidel and draft? Uh, strategy, you know, er- everything kind of aligned around that topic. Uh, yeah, he just said, you know, there's some changes happening, really nothing unexpected. Anytime you're switching from, you know, Kevin Colbert, who was with the team, running the team for you know over 20 years to a new regime, even if it is a promotion in-house guy, you no know, more con, and then an outsider, Andy Weidel, younger guys, different backgrounds, different ways of of doing things. And so, 
you know, Rooney, Rooney didn't specify exactly what's different. Not that I would expect him to do so, but we can imagine that analytics become more important. This team may make more trades in the draft and have more flexibility, especially trading down. Um, and I imagine just other smaller things will be different just when you have different people in, in, in the mix. Yeah, uh, it will be interesting to track. We're almost about that time again. You, you're obviously about to head down to the Senior Bowl. We've got uh, five people out here in Vegas, so uh, gonna gonna start seeing this thing in action. You know, not too terribly long after that. Obviously, the combine and then pro days uh, get underway. So excited to to see if we how many kind of you know by the time it's all said and done, the draft is over with. Uh, <laughs> what what kind of you know uh, what what things have changed? What things are the same? That kind of thing. Yeah, and we may, we may not be able to necessarily see all the differences. It just may be some small things that are behind the scenes that are really tough for us to uncover. Sure, note, by the way, a pretty um, relatively minor note, but we, we love these kind of things around here. The Steelers on the website appear to have hired a, a second scouting intern and Anthony Rooney. That is one of the descendants of that very complicated uh, Rooney tree. And so he just finished up his college career at Denison College and appears to now be working uh, for the Steelers. All right. Good, good spot by you there. Uh, what else did uh, Art Rooney have to hit on? Talking about Alex Heisman, didn't have too much to say other, uh, you know, when it comes to a potential contract extensions with him saying, we'll see what happens. Uh, this team's got a lot to work through this offseason. So, uh, and, and I don't think we ever get, uh, I mean, you had guys like Watt and, 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 and Mika that were kind of obvious type situations, right? Whereas Alex Heisman, probably not as obvious, but you certainly would think that you get into the summer here with, uh, with Alex Heisman, you would try, you, you would be trying your best maybe to get him extended, right? I would imagine again, it's, it's a little harder to slot price point with Watt. you knew, okay, he's the highest paid defensive player in football. That creates the, a pretty good number to start with. Same with Minka, highest paid safety in football, Highsmith, won't be either of those things. It's a little more complicated, but I know that's, I'm sure those conversations have not really even happened yet. This, right. this regime right now is so focused on their first full off season. That'll be a, a thing that may start in June, but we're a, a ways away from that. Uh, what else did he have to say? Well, I want to, I want to get your thoughts on, on kind of my biggest, to me, the, the most uh, oh. emphatic statement that Rooney made was about expecting Trubisky to be this, be on this roster next year to be this team's backup quarterback. I know there's no guarantee of that, and we viewed you know Trubisky as a strong cap casualty candidate. But to me, I thought that was a, a pretty strong statement from Art Rooney. Let me, let me just read what he said here. Quote, it's still early in the offseason, but I expect Mitch will be on the roster next season and be an effective backup when we need him. I think he showed we can win with him. I think he'll be on the roster next year. Again, don't want to guarantee it, but when your owner says, I expect this guy to be on the roster, we, we like this guy that generally means he's going to be on the roster. Look, uh, you, you just nailed it right there. The way, you know, had, had he skirted around it a little bit more, I, I would think there's a little bit, there would be some question to it, but uh, the way he said this, <laughs> I'm, I'm going, I, I, I'm going from thinking that there's a good chance that Trubisky will be gone to thinking, man, they're going to have to find a way to work around that $8 million salary now. Uh, Cause and this is even on the hill now. How much pushback will it be from from Mitch and all like that? Because there was obviously you know what he had to say a couple of weeks ago, or at least after the after the season. Uh, that was you know framed really kind of I think uh, uh, 
dealt with by ESPN. It's kind of a throwaway comment, but he said, you know, I didn't really have a long time to think about uh, the decision in free agency. I wish I would have taken more time, not just signed the first day uh, of free, you know, and long story short, in the way his, his first season went kind of the, the way to, uh, you can make an argument that he didn't deserve to be benched. When, when he was, I mean, was it going to happen at some, well, look, we all know at some point in 2022, Kenny Pickett was going to see the field. Uh, right. uh, should it have happened as early uh, as it did? That's obviously up for a debate. I mean, and, and Art Rooney said, look, it, it ended up playing out well, you know, uh, which it did. It, it, I, I think it did end up playing out, playing out well, but the factor of matter is, 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 is how does, you know, how does Mitch think it played out, <laughs> you know, <laughs> not as and, well as the Steelers right. think it played out. Right. So, uh, but you know, in, in short, if Art Rooney, the second, the way he, the way he answered this question, uh, I think, I think you'd be foolish to be in the boat of now thinking that Mitch is not going to be back and that Mitch, uh, and thinking that Mitch will be a salary cap casualty at March uh, by March 15th. And if that's the case and, and you know, people say, well, can't you do something with his contract and all like that? Really? The only, I mean, there's nothing that you can do with it unless you're going to add some dummy years onto it, you know, some void years onto it and, and, and lower his cap hit that way. Mitch ain't taking no pay cut, right? He's going to say, no. you want to give me a pay cut. Release Cut me. I'll, yeah. I'll go. I'll, I'll at least get my $8 million in a two year total contract. Uh, I'll get 8 million of it, of it up front with another team there. So he's not going to lower. He's not going to lower his number for you. He, you know, you don't have really any, you don't have any room to work to work with on any other kind of restructure where you can move money around there. So they're going to have to now, it sounds like figure out a way to accommodate an $8 million backup quarterback salary on the roster. And I know that the pushback I got for writing this was that Rooney said, well, you know, Rooney did say it's still early in the offseason. And I think and some people were telling me, well, what is Rooney supposed to say? Rooney is not new at this. He could have answered this question in a million different ways without saying what he said. In fact, the entire question was kind of a two parter that was asked from Bob Pompiani about, you know, what is Trubisky's future and how did you think Trubisky played this year? There's so many ways you could sidestep that question without actually saying, you know, I expect Mitch to be on the roster. You could sit there and say, we'll make those decisions. We haven't, we'll have to get together as a staff. I don't want, you know, you could have just basically ignored the question entirely and just said about Trubisky's play this year um, and not commented on his future for the team next year. I mean, there was a million ways you could answer that without saying, I expect Mitch will be on the roster next season. We basically kind of need this guy to be a, be the backup to Kenny Pickett. And so I don't believe that um, this was some sort of, you know, Word salad. Yeah, word salad, not answer that Rooney gave here. I think it's a pretty, I think it's the strongest answer he gave of anything that he said um, in his media rounds yesterday. I agree. And I, and, and uh, with, with everything you just said there, and look, we've done this a long time. We know also when to look to the sky, when, when to, when to look for the bat signal. Uh, we have, and some of the other answers he just gave this past week. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to spec, you know, uh, he makes sure to, when he doesn't want to give true thoughts on something, he, he, he knows how to work around it to, to leave, leave some, some, uh, some question to it there. Uh, it really does feel like he did not do that in this situation. Now, obviously can things change? Can, uh, can Mitch go throw a tantrum and get it and work his way out of here? Sure. I, I, you know, nothing, 
nothing's impossible. Uh, but within all that, the way he answered this question, and look, I have been the biggest uh, uh, thinker of the day Mitch Trubisky signed with, or the day that uh, Kenny Pickett was drafted, of thinking that Mitch Trubisky would be one and done in Pittsburgh with with an eight million dollar salary in 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 two thousand twenty three. Uh, and I was really even thinking that up until yesterday afternoon. Yeah, and I, I'm with you. And now my thoughts have changed pretty dramatically. Um, now, I think the thing that could change to your point that you just mentioned is what if Trubisky just wants out? I mean, he does not want to be in Pittsburgh next year. He's basically said he regrets signing in Pittsburgh or at least doing so so quickly. He's went from captain and starter to now backup in you know, a, a total backseat role here. He wants out. He wants to go somewhere else. He believes he can still start. He's probably still pretty pissed he got benched because, as you said, it was kind of, you know, a surprise. It was a surprise benching in week four against the Jets. So that is going to be the thing. You know, what does Trubisky want? Is he going to kind of force his hand and put some pressure on this team to to let him go elsewhere? And the only way, look, if there is any value to him and he does pitch a fit, I mean, unless it's just, blatant ugliness, which I don't think Mitch is that no. kind of guy. Uh, but I, it's know, the I, whole volunteers on hostages thing. That's right. Tomlin's whole thing. Well, if that's the case, and I try my best to get him out via some sort of deal, but uh, is, is, is there a team willing to take on? Uh, it would have to be a team that would want him to come in and do the same thing <laughs> that, that yeah, he was asked, asked to do in 2022, which was, here, uh, hold the steering wheel for about four, <laughs> four games. Uh, uh, while we get this young kid behind you, you ready, you know? So, uh, look, I mean, long story short, I, based on, based on what Rooney said, I, I think he's going to be here in 2023 and I will now need a, uh, uh, some sort of sign or something to happen for me to go back on the other side of the fence again. Same. And I think with Trubisky, I understand that he probably wants out, wants to compete somewhere. You know, I know there's always jobs, opportunities. I don't know where he would compete for a starting job. I mean, you're going to have potential quarterbacks get traded. It's a strong quarterback class. Unlike last year, you're going to have multiple first-round picks at the position. I don't think he's going to really get to compete somewhere. So if I'm his agent, I say, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but you can make $8 million to be a backup this year. You know, if you get released, will you make that much money elsewhere? Will you really be, you know, guaranteed a chance to compete? Or will you end up as a backup playing for... Four million next year. What is the calculation there? So if I'm his agent, I know Trubisky probably wants out, but I might say, hey, you know, grass is not always greener. All right, and you know that the Steelers might be looking at it is look at all the quarterbacks that took snaps and uh, you know starters and backups in 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 in, in 2022, and you know probably at some point during the 2023 season, we might need Trubisky to play a game or two. Sure, uh, that exactly right. I mean. 65, I think, quarterbacks started this year, 80-something played, and, and Pittsburgh certainly valued having a veteran, experienced quarterback room. That is, to me, the number one reason why they decided to not deal Mason Rudolph for the experience, for the protection, in case there were injuries. And so, again, people may brush aside these Rooney comments. To me, that is, I heard that and said, okay, well, that's that's one of those headliney things right off the bat. Okay, and it was. It, it was one of the big things that he had to say yesterday, in my opinion. 
Another thing Rooney said that was kind of more matter of fact, although a little less consequential, is that he expects his team to play an international game in the near future was uh, his words. Uh, quote, in the near future, it will be in another international game. We're kind of of, of the feeling that'll be in Mexico in 2024. No Mexico games this year as that stadium's being renovated for, I think, the future World Cup, I want to say. Um, but we expect Pittsburgh to play outside the U.S. sooner than later. I think it's going to be in 2024, and the only question is, will they, and, you know, he was asked about, does it, is there anything in the lease that says it can't be, you know, they can't give up a home game for that, and Rooney says basically that the lease doesn't matter uh, when it comes to all that, so it's just a matter of, uh, are they going to be the home or the away team? Uh, I feel like it's all but done uh, at, at this point. And he talked about how they have a preseason TV uh, game deal in Mexico now, and obviously the radio broadcasts and how uh, the way the NFL's lined up these international markets and territories, I guess, for teams now. Uh, all of the signs. I'm surprised it hasn't happened already, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Weren't we in a couple years? A uh, couple years ago, what didn't uh, uh, didn't it seem like it was it was almost felt felt like a done deal? The Chargers and the uh, and the Steelers in Mexico and I, I forget how was that COVID that, that pushed the knocked it, that out. It, or was it, that it might have been. I, it might have been uh, there, but it, it 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 felt at the time that we were going to see that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and obviously it didn't. And I, you know, the Steelers obviously haven't played an international game since uh, they they went to uh, London and played the Vikings. So I at at this point I will be shocked if they're not in Mexico in 2024. But you got some great opportunities there. Uh, and if they if indeed they did have to give up a a a home game to do that, man, the Dallas Cowboys will be on their schedule. And those are two big huge draws in 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 obviously in the Mexican uh, Mexico market there. Uh, that that game would be over the top there. Uh, if they had those two, if you want to talk about potential teams that they, they could play over there, if the Steelers were the home team, I think the Raiders uh, uh, are, are, are on the schedule in 2024 as well. Uh, that could be a potential you know, game as well. Yeah, I think Dallas, Pittsburgh, and Mexico City 2024, that sounds like a game to me. So I think buy your tickets right now. Um, it, it, is, it is really surprising. It's been It'll be it'll end up being more than a decade since the last time Pittsburgh played an international game for one of the most recognizable, marketable teams in football. I can't believe the NFL has not had this team play outside the U.S. in in over a decade. Right, and you know I I, I do think that they do want to get to uh, uh, Ireland, you know, at some point, but it doesn't. Sa- it sounds like it's more Germany uh, for the next little bit here. Uh, the push for you know the league when it comes to uh, overseas type markets and all. Right, two games in Germany in 2023 to make up for no game being held in Mexico, and so uh, you know that is more of a next year thing, but certainly something notable from our Rooney. Uh, what else did he have to say, Dave? I'm just going to kind of scroll through about any other maybe smaller things that Rooney mentioned. I think we've kind of hit on the important uh, parts. Um, I think that's basically everything Rooney had to say that was uh, super notable. Uh, he didn't really give any strong hints as to, you know, he, he was kind of pressed about, 
you know, what, what one area, in other words, they, they tried to try to get him to drop some hints about where the big push might be during the off season, maybe positionally, uh, you know, as, as maybe as, as it would relate to the draft and all they could get out of him was we need to score more points. <laughs> we got the match. He, he did make a comment about the O-line being a little inconsistent. Yeah. I don't know if that's, is that a signal here? Here's my thing, because usually you do get kind of that clearer Rooney mandate. You, you got that in the sense of the pass game needing to be better, this offense needing to be better, but it sounds like they're going to do it just through the continuity and just having guys grow more so than opposed to adding a bunch of pieces. I don't think you would probably agree with this. Uh, I don't think they're going if, – if they add an offensive lineman in free agency, it's more likely to be the bottom end of a, a cheap veteran. Probably, yeah. I don't think they're going to make the big splashy signing in free agency for an offensive lineman. If they were to do that, it would be more of a draft thing. All right. Uh, but I do think that, you know, I, I don't think you can totally discount once again. And we've said that I've said this a couple of times. Uh, one, if not two uh, draft picks this year could be offensive linemen. You could have one early, one late. Uh, I think offensive line cannot, should can uh, potentially be on the board with the first pick this team has uh, most definitely uh, with one of the first two picks that the team has, I think could go offensive line, but I don't think he, we, he got uh, 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 painted squarely into a corner overall. Look, he even you know said, look, if they, uh, as, as, as much continuity as they're on offense, they're, they're not uh, above adding another piece to the offense. Sure. And they're going to add somebody. They got so many draft picks and draft capital and teams need weapons and slot receiver needs attention. And I mean, you know, if they lose Gentry, they'll have to replace him. So, I mean, there will be new pieces offensively, but the core is in place. The main guys are in place. They're not going to really be losing too many people to free agency. There is no big transitional period occurring. So, uh, but yeah, the comment I think Rooney said about the O-line, if I can find it here. I just lost my place on it, but said uh, he said that some guys were inconsistent along the O line, and they have to get better there. Now, again, is that a question of allowing guys to grow and develop? And and again, some of that was the growing pains this team went through that they won't have to experience to that degree in 2023. Or is that a signal of adding new people? Frankly, I'm not really sure how to interpret that. Yeah, I don't. I I think I don't think we came away with a clear rubber stamp direction, this team will go with a first round pick. <laughs> right. Then, Which kind of yeah. sucks. I was kind of yeah. counting on that because the blues clues are hard enough as it is this year. So I was looking for that clear Rooney mandate. And some of the things he said were pretty, you know, black and white pass game has to get better. But again, I think a lot of that's just through the natural process of guys getting better, getting more experience year one guys, year two being better for it. Uh, pushing to let, uh, you know, to, for pushing the NFL to let Pittsburgh host a future NFL draft. That's, that's, uh, that's the um, Art Rooney wearing his Chamber of Commerce hat uh, <laughs> uh, there, and you know he he was he was kind of pressed about uh, the Steeler way as it relates to you know not going all in. I guess in free agency was the way that that thing was tried to was was framed, and uh, he kind the way he kind of answered it was like, look. If, 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 if there's an opportunity to maybe, you know, make this team even better during the season, i.e. the Chase Claypool or, or the Mika Fitzpatrick type of ads, we would definitely look at it. But I think he kind of left it in, uh, left it in the fact that 
overall, no, we're we're not going to change the way that we we approach this on a year in year out basis. That they want to be uh, competitive every year and have a chance to get into the tournament every year. So uh, he he doesn't foresee this team going a route where they would they would they would ever be kind of labeled the going all in mentality. Yeah, and that is the least surprising thing of all of this. Important to to note and to write about, but the Steelers will never be like the Rams who are going to push their chips all in. You know, when they when they can make a run, they're going to be aggressive and they're going to add people. You know, they've made those trades before, but uh, they're never going to play all for one season and then kind of suck the way that the Rams are in that position right now. The, the Pittsburgh's intention, right or wrong, is to compete every year to kind of be in the mix and hopefully you catch a break one or the two of those years you make a run. All right, so so to recap here, once again, I, I, I thought my biggest, the biggest newsworthy maybe aspect of it was what, what you said, the uh, the comments on Trubisky. I think those were, and and we're I guess we're the only ones that caught it, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Until uh, the media listens to this podcast and reads Depot this morning to know right about it, but uh, that was probably the most newsworthy thing that he had to say, uh, when it comes to the three interviews that he gave, uh, as far as the, the overall takeaway I felt was, we got to score more points. That was the Matt, Matt Canada bumper sticker. But you have the feeling like mine where they're not going to make wholesale changes to score more points in terms of switching people out it's really like i mentioned building upon the group that they currently have is that your feeling i uh, schematically <laughs> well, even that, personnel wise i mean and, right. and, and schematically because well, look the i mean uh could could they add another wide receiver via oh, sure. the, the draft to this mix yes they could uh could there be a new starting offensive lineman uh in this group yes there's a possibility of of of, of that happening uh how much more is going to change offensively other than schematics, you know, uh, you know, ways to like, like we talked about ways to, to, to open up the passing game a little bit more, more yards after catch. Uh, if they, if they run this thing back exactly the way they did uh, in, in, this past season, I don't care how much continuity that you have. It just doesn't feel like they're going to get accomplished what they need to get accomplished. Yeah, that's fair. And that might be the concern is that they're so banking on just running it back and having the guys grow. You wonder where that ceiling for this offense is that if, if they're going to be this run heavy approach, but not in that like explosive Baltimore, you know, Philadelphia sense, then how, what is the ceiling for this offense? And that is a concern. Time of possession is fine and all, but uh, it does absolutely nothing if you're not putting the ball in the end zone. Yeah, um, there's value, obviously, and Pittsburgh won that way in the short term last year. That was their strategy. Hard to blame them for it, went seven and two. But is that is that going to take you to a Super Bowl or really compete in the thick of the AFC race? Probably not. And so you kind of wonder... That, that strategy will get you to a wild card berth. It'll get you to nine, ten wins. Will it get you beyond that? That's the concern. Right. Look, uh, you know, they, they need to be at least a touchdown better, uh, I think, in, in average point scored, uh, explosive plays, yards after they better be in the in in the top half of, of the league in explosive. I mean, not uh, well, in explosive plays and in yards after the catch average. I mean, if they're not, I don't get, you know, 
you damn sure better be able to run the ball almost to the level that the Browns were able to run it a couple of years. But look, look how that worked out for them. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. So that is the state of the Steelers from Art Rooney. And um, yeah, if he says anything else, makes any more, excuse me, media rounds, then we'll we'll try to comment on that next week. Um, should note here one uh, piece of news. Uh, TJ Watt is bowing out of the 2023 Pro Bowl due to injury. I'm seeing some reports from, I believe, Ray Fittipaldi, 93.7 The Fan, uh, that it's not a new injury, just from the combination of the pec and the rib stuff that he had this year. Just doesn't want to have to basically do any more physical activity on a, on a big stage like that. And so uh, TJ Watt out of the Pro Bowl, not replaced by Alex Highsmith. He's been replaced by Matt Milano, who is not does not play the same position as, as TJ Watt in the Pro Bowl. You know, positions are always kind of weird, but that is the news there. Well, look, uh, and, 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 and I think a lot of people are upset thinking, you know, this is once again a uh, Alex Highsmith snub, but I think it goes back by where these guys kind of finished in, in some of these things overall. And I think in the fan voting alone, uh, I think where was Heisman? He was in the top 10. Ah, he was uh, up there of, uh, of the entire NFL. Where, where was he? I think he will need at least one other person to back out for him to, to, to maybe have a legitimate shot. And, 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 and here, here, here's the bad thing is <laughs> They group all these linebackers together. Right. I was going to say, is that how they did it? Just all one big, because I mean, Milano's an off-ball linebacker and Heisman's an edge. Is that they were all together as one group? I I, I think that's how it is. Okay. I'm trying to see if I can find the alternate stuff. Um, I don't see it off I the sent, top I here. Sent, so. I, I sent the chart, I think. I don't know what I did. You did, but I'm trying to find the chart. That was from so long ago. I can't right. pull it up here quickly. Um, But regardless, yeah, Highsmith not currently getting that. We'll see about Kim Hayward, if he could get in, if, you know, Chris Jones, if the Chiefs win. On Sunday, they go to the Super Bowl, and Jones obviously will not participate in the Pro Bowl games. And so, would that allow Cam Hayward to get in? I would hope so, but I'm not entirely sure where he slots in terms of first alternate, second alternate, etc. Uh, and back to Watt real quick. In one of these three interviews, I forget, I don't know which one it was, but Rooney said that that even when Watt returned, he wasn't, he doesn't think that he was ever 100. percent Okay. Was that, I didn't catch that. Was that uh, because of the peck or because the rib injury happened like two weeks after that? Uh, did he not really comment on anything specific? He, did, he didn't say specifically what it was, but it was in one of these three uh, interviews yesterday that he did talk about uh, not 100%. Okay. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, it'd be foolish to expect Watt to even with the peck injury to be 100% whenever he returns. I think he's relatively healthy but not perfect and then the rib injury happened he's dealing with that and just a difficult 2022 for tj watt i don't think it was in the uh maybe it was in the in the pompiani uh piece uh i'll see if i can find it here the exact quote that okay. he used but anyway start taking us down a different direction here yeah well one thing we should note here for our purposes we already have uh, the whole group of uh, guys and gals dr mel is in uh, las vegas for this year's shrine bowl and that uh, i believe practices start tomorrow with the game sometime during the week i want to say it is and then myself and a couple other the depot crew and jonathan heitrider tyler wise and ross mccorkle will be at next week's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. And so uh, getting ready for that, really excited to bring you guys a lot of coverage, both practice reports and interviews. Uh, I believe the media interviews will happen for the Shrine Bowl today. I know that Josh Carney had an article on the site yesterday about 
10 players to look at for this year's Shrine Bowl. Um, before that, did you find the, the Rooney Watt uh, comment, Dave? No, I'm looking for it. I, uh, okay. Well, we getting, get the... Uh, uh, but all things, the fact, let's see, getting TJ back, uh, all things considered, fact, uh, no, that's not the quote I'm looking for. I saw it last night. I just can't highlight it uh, back yet, just yet. All right. Well, we get the point. Watt, not 100%. I mean, that is... Uh, all you have to know, I guess. So anyway, from the Shrine Bowl, I haven't studied those guys as much as Josh has. Josh had an article yesterday on the 10 players he's really watching for. I know for me, Zay Flowers in Boston College. Some believe he could be a first-round receiver in a relatively weaker class. Small guy, really explosive, twitchy, um, great you know, yard-after-catch kind of guy. Can play inside, play outside, um, plays bigger than his size. But you do worry about the overall size and can you really be a true num- number one type in your offense, but to me, Zay Flowers um, should have a good week, should look really good in some of these 1v1s. Yeah, interesting, interesting kind of decision with him going out to Vegas to that uh, versus the Shrine Bowl, you know? Yeah, he had a chance to go to the Senior Bowl, and I, I mean, guess he just the chose the, uh, the Shrine Bowl. So um, I don't know. Have you looked at any of these other Shrine Bowl guys, Dave? Anyone else that you we should uh, be mentioning here? Uh, I pointed out a couple of these guys that I have watched a little bit of film on. Let me pull up the roster real quick, and I'll tell you some guys that got kind of my early uh, attention there. I think that uh, that uh, defensive uh, lineman out of Penn State, um, Mustafer, uh, is a bigger kind of where is he here uh he's the younger uh, there's a lot of reasons to kind of watch him he's a zero uh, one technique uh better against the run than he is a a a a pass rusher uh he has the bloodlines uh he's got the brother that plays for the bears uh the center guard uh mustafer there he was a captain at penn state as well too uh, really thought of highly, I, I think, coming out of that Penn State program. A guy that's probably one of those, I don't know, fifth, sixth round guys, just kind of an early uh, thought on him. I've watched a little bit on him. I think he could be someone, when it comes to the Shrine Bowl, that gets a little bit of attention from the Steelers. It could be a later round draft pick there. Uh, uh some of these receivers, obviously, Flowers is a guy that I think is going to have have a lot of teams' attention there. At Perry, I think, was on uh, as a wide receiver out of Wake that uh, that uh, Josh Carney kind of highlighted there. There is the offensive lineman out of uh, Arkansas that I watched a little bit that I think will have the Steelers' attention. What was his name? Uh, it's like Ricky Stromberg. Yeah, yeah. He's a kid that I think is going to have a lot of attention uh, down there. Some of these edge rushers kind of later round uh, guys uh, that Robert Beal, didn't he have a uh, – I'm trying to think. what. No, the Florida kid was the one that kind of had the off-the-field uh, issues there. Uh, but Bill could be somebody, a later round guy, I think, that has the Steelers' attention. I'm trying to find out who else I got uh, got some time to look at here overall. But uh, as the week progresses, for sure, uh, we're going to be able to build out a pretty decent list, I think, of guys that that could be. And look, most of these guys that go to the East-West Shrine game, for the most part, wind up being, you know, there might be one or two of them that drafted early you know, before the third round, but most of these guys are probably going to end up being fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh round guys. 
Right now, yeah, I think that it feels like the scale has changed a little bit with the Shrine Bowl adding some bigger names. A Flowers, we mentioned, you know, one of those guys, a potential, you know, first round pick. I think he's probably more a day two guy, but what he's certainly going to be a no worse than a day two guy. Um, but it'll be a great event for oh, sure. Oh, the Ohio yeah. State corner that's uh, that's there too could be more of a uh, mid to later round guy. I think that the students could have some interest in. All right, cool. And we'll have, I'm sure, you know, whether it's Josh or Mel or Owen or all of them on sometime, whenever they get back and we're all kind of, you know, back home to uh, talk about their experience there and be sure to, you know, watch out for their practice reports. They'll do daily and they'll have player interviews and those are always really exciting. I know the Shrine Bowl gives some really good access to talk to these guys. And so I'm sure they'll get some good quotes from uh, from the guys attending. And well, with you going out of town, I guess it's time for my annual have uh, have Tom Mead back on, right? Yeah, he's our Art Rooney. The Tom Mead bat signal's going up. So I think have him on next week. And uh, I know you'll take care of that. And maybe you'll have different people. I know you did last year, but uh, Tom's always great to listen to. Right. For the Senior Bowl, I um, just had an article myself on, on 10 names. And again, you can list out a, a dozen more names. It's hard to make the list just 10. I think Keanu Benton from Wisconsin, I've talked about him before, being a, a great fit for Pittsburgh. I really want to see what his arm length is to get an official number on that. I think it will be... Uh, what Pittsburgh looks for, but I want to want to see that number. Um, just some interesting names down there. Whether you're talking about JL Skinner from Boise State, kind of a hybrid type uh, safety linebacker, Anthony Johnson, one of those big long corners that's that's in vogue in today's uh, NFL. I'm sure there'll be so much attention on the small schooler uh, Cody. I think it's Mouch from uh, North Dakota State, just for the you know, former tight end turned offensive tackle, got the, the missing front teeth, just a really eclectic personality. I think it'll be kind of similar in, in story to Quinn Miners uh, a, a couple of years back, but a, a good run blocker with uh, a load of experience. Um, uh, one guy that's interesting, I don't know a ton about his actual tape, but I just want to want to talk to this guy is Carlton Marshall, the linebacker from Troy. He, he, he yeah, holds the NCAA record for most career tackles, 578 tackles in his career. The dude is listed at 5'9", 210 as a linebacker, a walk-on at Troy, and then literally set records in, in college football. So interesting story there. And I don't know 100% if he's there. He was initially listed and tweeted out by the Senior Bowl as being on the roster. I don't see him on the website right now. But Andrew Voorhees, the uh, left guard from USC, I hope that he's there. Um, really interesting guy. He's got good size, unusual size at 6'6". Um, but he's he's an aggressive guy in the run game. He drives his feet. He creates movement. He pancakes, and he's, he's a good athlete too, with good burst and snap. And um, a guy that actually had some more aggressive kind of on-body pass sets that I, I see with Pat Meyer. And so that's a guy I think that um, Pittsburgh will have interest in. I think he's a bit older than a typical prospect, but um, I really like Borey State. All right, uh, Cameron Brown was the corner out of Ohio State that I was talking about. I wonder if he made the. I don't, I don't see him on the uh, on the final roster though. I know there was a lot of guys that were announced early, and then you know the, through through the cycle of this thing happening, some of them either back out due to injury or or, or whatnot. So I'm kind of wondering right now, not seeing uh, not seeing him on the roster. I wonder if he uh, wonder if he ended up making it or not. So we'll we'll have okay. to see. But he's a kid out of uh Ohio State, a cornerback that you know kind of fits it looks like what 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 the Steelers look for at that position. Yeah, I know the uh senior bowl is missing some guys that we thought were initially announced. Uh Devon Witherspoon from Illinois initially announced he's not gonna be there. Seeing with Tyree Wilson, one of the top edge guys from Texas Tech, I believe even the big Baylor defensive lineman Siaki 
Iaka. I'm still working on pronunciation. I don't believe he'll be going. Either, oh, here so. he is. I found Cameron Brown on the roster. Okay. Oh, he will be there? Yeah, it looks like okay. he will be. All right, good deal. So uh, a lot of draft stuff coming for you guys, and, and we have basically our entire depot crew headed to those places, Las Vegas, Mobile, to uh, catch all the action. Yeah, look, this is really the weekend that I, I'm able to learn. Uh, make, make you know These next two weeks are where I make a lot of my stride and kind of catching up, if you will. Uh, and... You know, I've already watched uh, the other night, probably a good four hours worth of tape there trying to get caught up on some of these guys at least jump out, you know, that that jump out at me. You know, the P.J. Mustafer, like I said, of Penn State and the guys that I think that right off the bat that the Steelers will have interest in. Uh, and then as you guys filter out the information throughout the uh, all throughout next week, then uh I, I will learn a lot. Now we do have the NFL PA collegiate bowl coming up this weekend. Have you, have you uh, released those uh, numbers on the site yet? That's going to go up later today. I was going to run it yesterday and all the Rooney stuff came out. And I figured okay. no one would even see it if I, I published it yesterday. So the uh, NFL PA measurements will come out uh, Friday afternoon. Right. Uh, I've got all the official uh, heights, weights, uh, measurements and i've linked uh, all those players to their college bios for easy access as well too so um uh make sure you look for that on studios depot today uh we will be getting in the east west uh shrine bowl uh measurements should be somewhere within the next 24 hours i should have those in my hands and i will post those on the site as well and hopefully the same for senior bowl i don't know if the shrine bowl does in-person measurements they're I don't not they do okay the they're senior not bowl. this year yeah, the senior bowl doesn't either. And so those will just be released by the actual, you know, staff by uh, right. Jim Nagy and, and Eric Galco, I guess. So no, no in-person uh, stuff this year, which is fine. Any other uh, thoughts here? Any other news you want to get to from Rooney or just otherwise from the Steelers, Steve? Anything else that we did not uh, mention? Oh, I think we've hit on most of it there. Uh, Cap-wise, this team's just slightly over the number there. Uh, Art Rooney says he did not know uh, uh from a, really from a credible source, what the cap number will be at. That's not unusual to hear come out of his mouth at, at, at this time of year. I think even uh, uh, the Bills general manager the other day when he talked, you know, kind of gave uh, uh, the, 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 the same response. I, I really think that the big uh, holdup now is how much of this new, you know, this new deal that the league got done uh, with the uh, Sunday ticket with YouTube and, and, mm -hmm. and along those lines, how, you know, because they still had to borrow from the cap and uh, through the COVID situation and all. So that's that's got that kind of muddied up as well, too. Uh, from kind of what I'm hearing, though, is that at a minimum, the cap should be two hundred twenty five million. And that's that's kind of the number all of us are working off of right now. Could it come in higher than that? Yeah, I think there's a I think that there's still a chance of that happening. And obviously, the the higher that number is over 225 million, the more it works into the favor, really of all teams, right? You right. know that, that 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 need cap space there. Could it come in as high as 230 million? I mean, I I don't I don't know because I don't know how you know I don't know the exact the exact plan they have in place when it comes to paying back, you know, borrowing the borrowing of future cap money and you know, how much the actual revenue from this new, new, uh, new, uh, Sunday ticket, uh, thing will play into this and all. But, uh, I would think, 
I'm I'm working off the assumption that at a minimum it'll be 225 million, and with the idea that it could maybe be up as high as 230 million. And when will we know a rough estimate on a rough timetable? On About we'll a, know? a week before the start of the new <laughs> league year, I think. Okay. Uh, probably anywhere from March 1st on, we will get what the real numbers will be. Gotcha. Uh, one last thing from Rooney. He says uh, he flat out hates the idea of the neutral site championship games that was going to happen had the Bills and Chiefs been playing this weekend. It sounded like the NFL was maybe trying to angle a way to do that as a permanent thing. But Rooney says he's dead set against it and says that he doesn't think it would pass, which is good. Um, I think it's a, a a bad money grab idea from the NFL. Yeah. I, 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 to make the way uh, Art Rooney made that sound during a few times he's asked about it, that there's no chance in hell that's going to happen. All right, Dave, we want to make our picks for a championship weekend for the AFC and NFC title games. But before we do that, let's hear from our friends over at my bookie. Yeah, look, uh, Alex, it's a new year, a new you. So give yourself a fresh start with my bookie. What do you bet to earn or to make the games more exciting? My bookie gives you the most for your money with a redesigned deposit bonus. Just use promo code terrible. That's promo code terrible on a deposit of $50 or more to receive a cash bonus instantly to your my bookie account. Using this bonus is simple. Bet your deposit amount just once and you're ready to cash out. It's no strings attached with my bookie. You can bet on the NFL, obviously, UFC, or play for a big share of cash prizes in the weekly online blackjack tournaments that they have. With so many brands to choose from these days, you need a platform that makes it simple to bet and win, like my bookie. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. The new deposit bonus is a 10% cash bonus on any first-time deposits up to $2,000. The minimum deposit amount the minimum deposit amount is $50 and the maximum bonus amount is $200. The bonus only has a one-time playthrough amount, which that means that the bonus doesn't lock you in, which is a major pain point for online gamblers. You can focus in on the cash in, cash out aspect of the bonus and not the percent amount overall. So hopefully you're taking advantage of that with my bookie and my bookie uh, at mybookie.ag. All right, Dave, let's make our picks for championship weekend. And Lord, have I been lousy through the playoffs here, but uh, I'm going to get it right this week. San Francisco 49ers uh, playing the Philadelphia Eagles in the uh, NFC championship game. The Eagles at home, two and a half point favorites over the 49ers. Uh, Is this the week uh, Cinderella's uh, Mm -hmm. slipper comes off here? Yeah, the Brock Purdy uh, goes back uh, into the pumpkin or whatever. I forget how the whole Cinderella thing goes. Well, the Eagles were my pick before the start of the year, so I'm sticking with them through better or for worse. Just better quarterback play. Maybe can create some more explosive plays. I mean, 49 is a great defense. Both defensive fronts really strong in this one, but I'm sticking with the Eagles. I'm going Philadelphia. Uh, I am going with Philadelphia to cover as well, too. Slightly better uh, adjusted net yards for piss, uh, uh, passing attempt numbers, excuse me. Uh, and slight, and more importantly, probably a better defense of the two overall. Uh, this, I think this will wind up being the better game of the two, personally. 
But uh, I have the Eagles covering that two and a half. I have them winning by a field goal, actually, to, to do that. So I am with you with the Eagles on that. The other game, obviously, the AFC Championship game, has the Cincinnati Bengals going to Burrow land, really? Uh, is that the way they're, they're, they're trying to the, – the, the Bengals have been running that mouth, haven't they? Uh, mm-hmm. Hey, they backing it up. Uh, no, Burrowhead, Burrowhead uh, okay. instead of Arrowhead. Uh, the Bengals going to Kansas City. Obviously, the the biggest uh, the question going into this is is Patrick Mahomes and that ankle of his. Uh, the Chiefs are one and a half point home favorites uh, in this one. How does this one work out, Alex? Now, this line has moved, I know, throughout the week. I believe the Chiefs opened up initially as favorites and it pushed to Cincinnati and now back to Kansas City because it seems like Mahomes obviously will play and doesn't seem to be too hampered by that ankle injury, whatever you know degree of sprain that it is. Man, this one's tough. I just I look at this Bengals defense. That defense is still so underrated. I know that Burrow and Chase and those guys get all the love. I mean, this Bengals defense held Buffalo at home in Buffalo's place to 10 points, completely shut down Josh Allen, completely took away Stephon Dix. I've been talking about how underrated this defense has been for the last two seasons now, and that may be the difference in this game. They did, they did it last year. They'll do it again. Cincinnati over Kansas City. Wow. Okay. If you look at just uh, the regular season defensive adjusting net yards for passing attempt, uh, stat on both these two teams. They were the same at 5.8. So uh, very comparable there. Uh, the Chiefs had a uh, slightly better, uh, uh, you know, offensive side of it and all. And I think that that Bengals offensive line, even though I think they did overperform uh, against the Bengals, boy, they, they were pushing them off the ball. I mean, you, you got to really tip your hat to what they did in that, uh, in that game against the Bills there. Uh, I think, I think the difference in this game really winds up being the Chiefs defense to me uh, versus that uh, Bengals offensive line. Uh, I have the Chiefs actually winning this and winning it by more than a touchdown as well, oh, wow. too. Uh, that's why I said I think the my look uh, breakdown of this has the Eagles 49ers game being the better of the two. And I think the Chiefs find a way to pull away at the end here uh, and and easily cover that line against the uh, Bengals. All right. We shall see. I, I won't get the only bad thing about the senior bowl for me is I almost never get to watch championship weekend because I'm always in the air on Sunday. So, you know, you, you let me know how the games go. All right. All right, Dave, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. Let me sort these real quick here. Let's go to Jesse Hernandez as uh, I have two interesting different questions. If both of you were granted a one-on-one interview with Art Rooney, what would be the first two questions you would ask him? And second, what's the craziest sports bet you've done online? Yeah, I don't want to get into, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this about the sports betting question. Uh, I don't even watch basket any, basketball anymore <laughs> for the most part because it used to get my butt kicked. Uh, on that, I'll, I'll leave it at that. But as far as the uh, interesting, different, let's see, uh, what would be the first two questions you would ask Art Rooney to second? Uh, you know, I, th- I think it was a great question that Pompiani asked about Mitch Trubisky and, and his future. I think I might have tried to drill him down a little bit harder on maybe an extension for for uh, Alex Highsmith this off season. Uh, 
I don't think you probably would have gotten more out of him as far as where his head might be at, you know, priority in the draft. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't have a good answer of maybe what my top two questions would have been. It, it, it obviously would have been related, I think, mostly to the offseason here. Yeah, it's, uh, I'd have to really sit down and think about that because not only do you want to ask a good question, you want to ask a, a question where you would hope and would think to get a good answer. It wouldn't right. be something that could kind of be just owner spoken away with some sort of cliche. I mean, a question of, you know, where do you want to prioritize in the draft is, is a good one, but would you get the answer that you wanted? Nah, probably not. For me, I'm always interested in how this team moves towards analytics um, and what the impact it has. And has that changed under Omar Khan and Andy White? I might ask about that. Beyond that, I'm less sure. I do want to mention, and, and Rooney said this in passing, and not that it's, I guess, big news. You kind of expected it based on on the background, but it sounds like that in this con Weidel relationship that Andy Weidel is going to set the draft board and he's going to basically run the draft the way that he ran the draft in Philadelphia, where he didn't actually he didn't have final say. Harry Roseman did, but he he set the draft board. And so that sounds like what uh, Weidel's job will be in Pittsburgh. Um, that's not a question, but just a, a thought that popped into my head. So I would probably ask something about analytics. All right. Uh, let's see. DW Dustin writes in a question about coaching philosophy in the NFL. It seems that the NFL is the only league where you have offensive head coaches and defensive head coaches where a coach of a certain background really struggles with the side of the ball that they didn't come up, uh, in coaching with. Why do you think this is, uh, he says, uh, with dynamic offenses being so crucial, why is it so difficult for a coach like Tomlin or Belichick to pick up on those trends? Even Juju referenced as much after working with Andy Reid and his understanding of offense versus what he'd learned in Pittsburgh. I don't think that is that they don't understand what's going on. I mean, I, you know, especially some of these longtime head coaches, you can't tell me that Belichick doesn't know what's, what, what's happening uh, on the offensive side of the football, you know? Sure. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't have a great totally answer get to the question. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I get it. I understand what you're saying. Um, every coach has specialization. Every coach has a background in something where, you know, they're a, a greater expert on one specific, you know, aspect of play one side of the ball or one position, as opposed to the other side, that's just kind of how it is, you know, to get coaches that do both, I mean, very rarely do you see coaches that that flip flop on on both sides of the football. That they have like a defensive coaching background and an offensive coaching background. There's a couple, I think. So Juan Castillo was like an O line coach and then a defensive coordinator. I mean, just something you know that you don't see that often. I think it was in Philadelphia for a long time or, or something like that. I mean, it was weird to see Matt Patricia on the other side of football. Yeah, yeah, and that obviously that crashed well. and burned. <laughs> yeah, really, really poorly. And and so uh, that just, I think, how it is kind of across sports and in the NFL. Um, generally, you kind of stay on one side of the ball. And so when you work with that every single day and you're in the meetings every single day and that's how you evaluate and grade and that kind of thing, I mean, that's just kind of how that goes. But to your point, um, just in the way that Andy Reid might not be the, def- the defensive expert, you know, he's still aware of the defense and, you know, could coach it up if you had to. So, you know, I think it just, just, the way specialization works. I don't know how much hyperbole was involved in some of the things that Kenny Pickett just you know may, uh, said during his media rounds and all like that, but saying you know how Mike Tomlin you know usually mapped out the way games would go on a week to week basis, and you know uh, 
was was seemed to be right most of the time there. Uh, obviously, you know, Mike Tomlin's background is, is is on a defensive side of football, but but he's not new to this either. Now at this point, you know. Uh, yeah, and and for any coach, if you're a defensive coach, you have to know how offenses think. How do you plan defensively? You can't get in the mind of an offensive coordinator or a quarterback, and so there's a a different relationship on the other side. You know, an offensive coordinator has to know how a DC thinks, and so they're they're all kind of interconnected. Uh, Adam Guest wants wants to know: uh, Is Deontay a better fit at X than slot? Only because of Canada and offense's poor use of slot wide receivers. He says, "What is it about Deontay that makes him an X?" While guys with similar size and skill sets, like Zay Flowers and Josh Downs, are viewed as primarily slot receivers in the NFL. He says, "I understand the need to beat uh, press on the outside, but often see outside cornerbacks giving cushion, while almost always." Uh, see a slot cornerbacks right at the line of scrimmage. What am I missing? Well, look, Deontay, usually it's, it's, it's because he's a backside guy and you're, you want your backside guys to be able to win, win in all situations, press off all, all like that. So uh, to simplify an answer here, I think because you, your, your, your ex is, is, is usually a backside isolated guy. You want him to be able to win in all situations. Yeah, I mean, it's an, an interesting question. I think generally the X is kind of your best receiver. And the X, if, if, you're, if you're a top receiver the way that he was, I'm sure, in high school, the way that he was at Toledo, you're the every down guy. And so you're going to naturally bend up playing on the outside because teams are going to be you know, have an outside receiver every single play, essentially. And teams may be in 11 personnel only 70% or 50% or whatever their offensive you know, scheme is. And so generally those guys just kind of grow up playing on the outside. Um, you know, Johnson could play in the slot if you sure. if you put him there. I think some of the limitations are just about, you know, hands and toughness and making some of those combat catches. And there's, there's you get more to read when you're inside in the slot. There's more, um, you know, you're dealing with linebackers, you're dealing with defensive ends and, and that kind of stuff. And so there's a bit more going on along the inside. But, you know, just generally, you know, they, you know, they drafted to be the next A.B., and those guys grew up playing on the outside. That's the position they play because they were the best receiver at high school and college. And so they spent the vast amount of time on the outside. Uh, Dante has a long email that he's trying to summarize himself here. Uh, question. I know it's early in the offseason process and this roster is going to have some turnover, but seeing the success, uh, seeing the success the Bengals are having, does that influence you, your desire for the Steelers to draft Addison? Jordan Addison. He says, hot take. Uh, Steelers need to draft Addison full stop, whether he falls to 17 or the Steelers trade up a few spots around your quarterback on a rookie contract with uh, other impact offensive players on rookie contracts, especially if the quarterback wide receiver produced at an elite level together in college. He says having picks 39, 32 and 49 is huge because it allows them uh, potential flexibility. If they get an itchy trigger finger and want to make an offer to try to trade up for him. Uh, Long story short, he uh, uh, he's intrigued by the kind of the roster construction, you know, the Bengals being the most uh, easiest to point at with the whole Jamar Chase uh, uh, Burrow thing, I guess, kind of uh, uh, jumping on that is the recent back and forth about Pickett and Addison and banging the table and all like that. Uh, And uh, once again, and 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 we're going to be. Because of all this connection law, we're going to be talking about Addison quite a bit throughout the pre-draft process, I, I, I would imagine here. Uh, I don't, I still have, 
I would not put it above the Steelers to draft Addison at 17 if he's there. I, I don't think that they would trade up for him, however, but he, I am not re- removing wide receiver off my draft board at 17 overall right this moment. But if it is going to be a receiver, it, ha- it almost has to be Jordan Addison. I don't know what other receiver it would it would be, um, just given the connection. Um, yeah, I, I understand that, the Burrow Chase thing, to kind of replicate that with Pickett Addison. I mean, it's, it's partially that, but it's just partially you just get some really talented players. I mean, had they known each other or not, I think Burrow and Chase would have turned out pretty good playing with each other when you have a top level quarterback and a top level receiver and a, and a pretty, you know, potent offense overall. So that's kind of what it's about as much as, as it is actually the, the relationship in the background. Um, yeah. I think the other point is just, you know, the more weapons you can give your quarterback, the better. I mean, you need to have more than just one guy um, And Pittsburgh, hopefully has more than that, but you look at Dallas with just CD lamb and that didn't work out. That wasn't enough. They have to add, I think, can say the same about about Buffalo with Stephon Diggs. They have to add more than just Diggs and have they have some other guys in Knox and Davis, but a real you know true kind of compliment. And so the more weapons you give your quarterback, uh, the better. So I understand that point. I just struggle with is Addison really worth a 17th pick? I'm not there right now. Okay, fair enough. Uh, let me let me throw this at you here. Uh, We'll see what happens, obviously, with Zach Gentry during this offseason process. Uh, there, there is a chance that he does not return, right? Sure. Right. All right. What happens if he does not get re-signed by, by the draft or ends up signing with another team uh, prior to the draft? How intriguing would it be to have the Notre Dame Matt, uh, uh, Michael Mayer uh, because there, there's probably a pretty decent chance he'd be on the board at 17. Oh yeah, he'll 100 be there. How in, how intriguing of a of of a of a pick would that potentially be? Not at 17. I think that's too early just for the the snaps he'll play, the role he'll play. If they lose Gentry, I understand your point, but if they do lose Gentry, they're just going to go sign going to go sign a, a blocking tight end, a guy that's six eight. Okay. for agency probably they think that's how they're going to replace it because they value the size that Gentry has against those four three those even fronts like the Bengals like the other teams they're going to face this year I think they'll do kind of a one-to-one compliment but I understand your point like if you're going to go all in on the run game then get some really quality tight ends and do a Baltimore thing do a Cleveland thing it's not a bad idea but I, I think they would just kind of go with a, a cheap you know bargain bin version of Zach Gentry all right. Uh, and once again, we have a lot of discussions ahead of us when it comes to the draft here. Uh, let's see. Jay White writes in, longtime pod listener. You have the Steeder, the best Steeders pod in the business. Love the minutia. Two questions. What was the Steeders rank in play action passing this year? Uh, this was very low with an immobile bin, but with an athletic guy like Pickett, it feels like uh, we should be using it more. Uh, I don't have the rankings pulled up and we're, we're running a little bit long on time here. So maybe that's a uh, something I'll, I'll research for the next show here when Alex gets back from out of town. Uh, they were low. I know they were yeah, low. I don't know the exact yeah, number. I, and uh, frankly, I'm not even sure why they were low. I mean, you think for a run heavy team with a mobile quarterback, so I thought, you know, I thought Ben was the issue in the past. I really can't explain it anymore. His second part is, do you feel the combo of Deontay Pickens and Calvin Austin in the third is a sufficient wide receiver trio paired with uh, 
uh, Pat Firemuth, if you had your druthers, what type of wide receiver would you draft in March? Uh, look, we, we I, you know, I know it's easy to circle Calvin Austin III and put him in there and, and say, move forward, and everything's going to be fine. But we still don't know a lot about Calvin Austin III, you know, uh, other than what we, we saw on his college tape. Uh, you know, Alex obviously saw a little bit of him at, at, at camp, right? You know, but he is a smaller receiver. He is coming off a foot injury. I, I think we still got a lot to learn about Calvin Austin the third. Uh, now he says, if, uh, if you had your druthers, what type of wide receiver would you draft in March? If they did go one, look, I think they're going to draft a wide receiver at some point in this thing, just because they, they what two years two uh, how many times in the last 20 years have they not drafted a wide receiver at some yeah, point like, like twice. Uh, so it feels like it's a good bet to make that this team will draft a wide receiver at some point this year. My druthers would be to have more of, 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 you know, it would be a slot player of some sort. Here's my dilemma when it comes to answering that question, because I've had this thought in my head, what type of receiver do you want? You have two options for, for slot guys. You got the big slot type, your Juju, your Cooper Cup, what they tried with Chase Claypool, Chris Godwin, etc. Or your kind of conventional slot type, the Calvin Austin, the Wes Welker, Edelman, twitchy, small kind of guy. If you go with the big slot type, that doesn't really fit with Canada's usage of motion and jet sweeps and Pittsburgh ran more jet sweeps than any other team in the NFL last year, 30 times to relative success. And so that doesn't make it a good fit in the sense that Claypool for a couple of reasons, but never really fit well as that big slot type. If you go with the other option, the conventional slot type, then what's the point? Because you already have Calvin Austin. You already have a Steven Sims. You already have a Gunnar Olszewski. It feels a little redundant. And so I'm kind of stuck of, what do you go with? Because one isn't a fit for your offense and the other is a fit for your offense, but you already have that. So what are you trying to accomplish? I don't know how to reconcile that. Okay. I think they're drafting. That, that one. makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It just, uh, what, what, what type do you think this team should draft the big slot or the small slot? Uh, not the shifty type. No, not, not the smaller type. So anything from the five eleven meteor, to the big slot type. Okay. And that's fair. I think it's probably the better answer, but then how does that comport with Matt Canada? Who's returning to True. run his jet motions and sweeps and receiver run game and RPO game and that kind of stuff. Look, if, you know, assuming he comes back from this injury, you know, uh, and is the same player, there is a role for Calvin Austin, the third in this offense, obviously. Right, but you're right. There, we we know basically nothing about the guy. I mean, he played. He got two weeks of camp in. One week was in without pads. We didn't really learn much about him. He's fast. Like we knew that. You know, can Cal? I, the biggest question I think is, can Calvin Austin be the guy that's on the field in every eleven personnel situation? Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know the answer to that, and so it does make you want to add to that receiver room. But how? Personally, I want a I want a veteran slot guy in for agency. I want a veteran guy that's gonna been there, done that. You know, I know Deontay's I think became a leader in some ways last year, but I really want that Jericho Cotchery type of presence in this locker room. They have not really had that since what? DHB. I mean, they really haven't had that kind of guy. I think it's important to have that guy. Now here's the thing too. If you do draft a wide receiver with, you know, uh let, let's see, let, let's call it in the first two rounds and the first three picks overall there, 
you're going to be, it's, it's, you're going to have, you would do so with the idea that that's guy, that guy's going to probably be on the field more uh, moving forward than, than a guy like Calvin Austin, the third. Right. So if you go with a small slot guy, it's redundant. But if you sit there and say, Austin, we just can't count on, we're going to bank on this second round pick to be the guy, then that's fine. But that kind of just recognizes that Austin's not going to have a major role next year. I guess what I'm getting at is is, is circling this back, back around to the whole Jordan Addison potential thing uh, there. If he's the pick, makes you kind of really wonder what they think about Calvin Austin and his potential role in the offense. Yeah, it wouldn't be anything good. Um, but I mean, he is a fourth round pick, If it doesn't work out, you know, fourth round picks miss all the time. It's not going to kill right. your franchise. Right. Now, uh, you know, looking back to, you know, going to be a lot of talk about potential offensive linemen with, 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 with one of those first, let's say three picks, uh, look, they already, you know, messed up the bed with, uh, Kendrick green. And if they do have, do go a legitimate tackle, uh, especially a left side, tackle in this thing uh after two years of dan moore it 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 essentially says you missed on dan moore too yeah although moore obviously doesn't feel like the miss that kendrick green has proven to be oh yeah, like, I, don't yeah. Think, I don't think Moore can be considered a miss no matter what happens even if he gets replaced and he becomes a swing guy i think it's overall not, not a bad pick for okay. a fourth round guy to i think play decent left tackle not not be terrible to improve and then if he becomes a swing guy like that, that to me is a pretty good win. Steeler Hawk uh, 47. Love the show. Have you thought about doing it as a video podcast on YouTube? No, we like the way we do things right now. We do have the YouTube uh, uh, kind of live stream those that we do every two weeks on Monday where, you know, Alex has the screen of the site up there and, you know, kind of get a live chat going. So we don't have any plans on changing what we're doing uh, with the format of this thing right now. He says, anyway, I think the Steelers should go all in on winning a Super Bowl during Kenny, Kenny's rookie contract. He says, if they want to, the Steelers can free up quite a bit of cap space. He says, thanks for the articles, Dave. He says, since uh, it seems we are committing to being a possession offense, but still with potential for splash plays. What do you think about the idea of spending some cap money on Tremaine Edmonds and a top cornerback in free agency, probably 25 to 35, 30 million for the pair. Just try to make the D terrifying. He says, I think I heard James Harrison once say, if you shut out the other team, you can never lose. Uh, then try to give Kenny his wish, Jordan Addison or Jackson Smith. In Jigba. In Jigba. Uh, if Addison is gone, and that's the kid, obviously, out of Ohio State, uh, I think the uh, this O-line is going to make its collective second-year leap, but still wouldn't mind drafting for depth to push the starters. What do you guys think of the idea of going all in on – on? Uh, well, look, he says, I'm stuck here in Bengals country, and it's quite unbearable. Uh, I – you know, Steeler Hawk 47, just go back to, to some of the things uh, uh, Art Rooney II said yesterday in those three interviews there. I And for starters, there uh, he, he wrote Tremaine Edwards here. He obviously meant Tremaine Edmonds. Um, I'll, I'll be shocked if Tremaine Edmonds is, winds up in Pittsburgh first and foremost. I think I've kind of said that right from the start. Uh, Edmonds, we'll see what happens with Buffalo. It doesn't sound like... Uh, 
it sounds like there's a good chance because of their cap situation and the tag number and and all like that that Tremaine Edmonds will at least be allowed to test free agency unless they can work out a a deal with him before having to issue the tag uh which is obviously before free agency now if Edmonds hits free agency he's going to be one of the top 2 or 3 uh easily uh off the ball linebackers on the market there uh supply demand all like that uh, I, I, I know the link to Pittsburgh and all like that. Long story short, uh, I don't see them going all in on either a inside linebacker or a cornerback and or both uh, because of some, you know, cap manipulation they, they have to do. Now, look, the and, and back to the whole bit Mitch Trubisky thing here. Not. Uh, not cutting. Mitch Trubisky to free up that eight million is not hugely detrimental. Uh, this team, at some point anyway, is probably going to restructure the contracts of both TJ Watt and Minka Fitzpatrick. Right. Does and- one of them get moved up earlier in the process? Be, be uh, to help overcome the retention of, let's say, both Trubisky and. Miles Jack, I mean, it, it, it's an obvious option for them. There are no hard set rules that say right now that they can't restructure Watt or Minka prior to March 15th to help out with 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 with, with cap op, cap clearing options here. So it's not like retain the decision if should they so choose to retain Trubisky or Miles Jack is not totally damning. To, to their situation there. All that said, I don't think they're going to make splashes close to what they did last offseason. Yeah, I, I initially thought, you know, a couple of weeks, months ago, there would be a similar free agency haul this year to last year. I've kind of come off of that some. I think it will be probably more conservative. There, there are going to be some moves, I think, to be made, but to focus more likely on re-signing Cam Sutton, retaining their own, that's going think, to be the big push. Yeah, uh, I think so. And and usually is anyway sure. uh, there. I mean, you look at guys like Terrell Edmonds. You look at guys like uh, 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 DeMonte Casey. Obviously, Cameron Sutton's the biggest one they, they probably have circled uh, there. Uh, Robert don't, don't, Spillane, I think, comes Spillane. back. Spillane. Uh, I, I, I think this this really feels like now that Rooney has, has, has talked like a run it back as mm-hmm. close as we can type year. Yeah. Because of the way they finished there again, the calculation is we finished the year strong. Let's not change too much. It's a young group. Let's grow. Let's keep the pieces intact and, you know, think we can compete next year. I'm, I can promise you that's the calculation. The other thing with Trubisky, why they're keeping him is literally for that continuity sake. So let's say you go sign a, let's say you cut Trubisky, go sign a veteran guy. You don't know how he plays in your offense. You've never had the call plays for him before. You know, you have the kind of the, Interesting perspective of a guy that was your starter. You kind of built your offense around. Now you're backup, but if you're, if he ever has to play, you know what he's about. He knows what your system's like. There's not that newness to we're kind of feeling out a new quarterback as he's coming into the game midway through a game because Kenny got hurt. So um, I think it's another another reason why this team wants to to hold on to Trubisky and probably will. Um, but to, to the original question about this team going all in, if they got to that point, they're never going to be the Rams. They're never going to trade all their first round picks and you know, do that thing that, that uh, Les Snead did. 
But if this team's going to ever really, really make that serious push, they probably have to show more and get to the playoffs and get to a championship game or something like that that really says like, hey, we are right on the edge to getting to Super Bowl. If they get to that point, that's when they may go, you know, as all in as Pittsburgh goes. Look, they can't miss on this draft, uh, period. (laughs) You know, they got to get guys that can come in and play right away. Yeah, I think so. But I mean, are there drafts where you sit there and say, yeah, we can miss on this one? I don't know. It just feels no, like. No, no. But I mean, year. they really, I mean, you look back, though, we just named off the Kendrick Greens. We, you know, uh, uh, so they they have got to get guys in at positions that, that, that can help right away. I think so. I mean, I agree with that. But I also. Especially if it, they're going to compete for this year. You know, 2023. Sure. But I think the key to their success is can these young guys make that jump and pick up where they left off? Can Kenny Pickett really truly be that guy? Seeing what George Pickens, can this offensive line make the jump? Can the O-line stay as healthy or as close to it this year as they did last year? I think those things are going to really define this team's 2023 success or failure. Jonathan Mason says, Alex and Dave, not sure who will do the player profile on uh, Dontavian Wicks. Just a heads up that his senior season was a struggle, as was uh, the entire UVA offense last year due to to the entire coaching staff at UVA, except for two coaches being turned over after Bronco Mendenhall decided to leave. His junior year was special, and it wouldn't surprise me if he's viewed as one of the top wide receivers at the Senior Bowl coming out. Looking forward to a great offseason content from the whole Depot team. So there's there's another. Uh, uh, have you looked at much of any at Wicks? I have not yet. I haven't either. Um, I still play, you know, a little bit of catch up here, but uh, I will add him to my list. Is he on the American team or national team? Because I need to have more American team players on my my list here. I feel like I ended up watching a bunch of national team guys. Is he uh Virginia? Okay, he is an American guy. All right. So okay. all right, I'll, I'll check him out. All right. Uh we have gone a little bit long here. Got through as many questions as we could here. Uh uh real quick, uh Dwayne out says uh first time emailing, but I've loved listening to the podcast. Thank you for teaching me so much about the game. I was born and raised in Latrobe and Alex's training camp reports bring me back so many good memories of watching the Steelers there as a kid. All right, good. Uh you recently had a discussion re- regarding the Steelers being last in yak this past year, and I couldn't agree more that this needs to be addressed in a big way. In my opinion, the most important need this offseason to find a wide receiver with great uh, game-breaking potential. Blah, blah, blah. Easier said than done, he says. We've seen the transformative effect of uh, A.J. Brown, Jamar Chase, and Tyreek Hill. Uh, he just uh, he says, I just finished watching film on the top 17 or 18 wide receiver draft prospects. We're looking for a guy who can provide. Uh, he says, Tank Dell from Houston could uh, – uh, provide that he's electric after the catch quick is uh, look, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this once again, going back to yards after the catch. I don't care who, who, who you get as good after the catch. If you keep throwing these <laughs> curls, <laughs> comebacks and out routes, you're not going to be able to utilize the yak aspect of a, pl- of a player's profile there. So I think that's one of the, one of the many things, regardless of, of even if this team, you know, let's say they don't draft any wide receiver or add any, any wide receiver and, and they expect Jamar, uh, uh, Calvin Austin, the third to come back to this offense. They have, the offense has got to be, uh, you know, the schematics need to be worked into where they're having more, uh, uh, setting up more, ability for these guys to make plays after the catch. That's the biggest aspect here uh, of it all. 
yeah, this offense, this pass game has to be more receiver friendly in terms of running more route combinations, fewer independent routes, which we've talked about for a while. Greg Cosell recently discussed has to offer more yak opportunity, has to continue with more of its stack and bunch sets. They started to use more and more effectively the back half of last year, the last of 2022, the last, I don't know, six weeks or so. Want to see that continue. Yeah, Tank Dell, he'll be at the Senior Bowl. Going to be watching him. Just had a report on him from Chandler Stroud. Um, obviously, size. There's a lot of small guys. He's a buck 65. We'll see what he weighs in if he's added to his weight. That goes back to the, all right, you draft Tank Dell in the third, fourth round. What's the difference between Tank Dell and Calvin Austin in terms of how you use him in terms right. of their role? There's that redundancy issue. I'm not saying you can't do it. If Austin, there's concerns about the foot, then then you may go draft somebody like a Tank Dell or somebody similar. Sure. Um but I just worry about if, if Austin's going to be your guy, has a role, has a future, then you're going to draft a guy that's just a, a carbon copy of that. All right, Dwayne, thanks for being a first-time emailer there. That's a great uh, place to uh, to uh, end this show up. should mention uh, just really quickly, you mentioned, I think somebody mentioned um, what Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. A uh, little bit of Pittsburgh ties. His brother, uh, Kanan Smith and Jigba, is a Pittsburgh Pirate in their minor league system. Okay. He's an outfielder, and so there's a very small uh, connection there for your slot receivers. All right, uh, Alex, have a good trip. Uh, look forward to you and the guys covering the stuff down in Mobile down there. And once again, we have the crew out here, and I got to take all five of those uh, people, uh, Dr. Mel, Owen Straley, Josh Carney, uh, 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 Josie, and Joe Clark uh, all out uh, to, to break some bread yesterday. So they're getting things underway in Las Vegas. I think they have some uh, player media sessions today that they'll be conducting there. And uh, uh, Alex, I know you, you and the guys uh, look forward to doing another bang-up job down there in Mobile. Anything else to add? No, that's about it. So Still a podcast for Monday, right? I think you're going yeah. to try to get Tom Mead on and then I, any other guests. And I think last year you had uh, an analytics guy, Courier. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Corey, uh, who I think uh, mostly affiliated with, with covering the Browns. But I'll, I'll I'll figure something out, get somebody on, uh, right. try, try, try to fill your shoes and try to fill up some airtime here. But we'll figure it out as we go along through the weekend here. Enjoy the championship games uh this weekend everybody and let's see in the meantime you can follow me on twitter at steeders depot follow alex on twitter at alex underscore kazora follow the show at terrible podcast email the show the terrible podcast at gmail.com if you like what we do and want to donate to the cause steeders depot.com hit the donate button up right navigational bar also if you want an ad free version of the site steeders depot.com hit the ad free button up right navigational bar as well Until Monday, as always, thanks for listening to The Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex. doctor will see you now but do they really do they see you as a mother who's a daughter and a caregiver fearless but sometimes fearful a health nut with a french fry habit an o positive geologist named patty who's here today for a melanoma exam at kaiser permanente we believe the only way to care for all of you is by seeing all that is you kaiser permanente for all that is you learn more at kp.org